Did you know that some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side-by-side, -side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. When I'm not hosting this podcast, I am writing books, but it is really hard for me to write when I'm at home, so I like to find remote cabins in the middle of nowhere to just hang out and write. But I hate the idea of my house just sitting empty, doing nothing but collecting dust and definitely not collecting checks. And that's why I'm an Airbnb host. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. Other popular side hustles are awesome too, don't get me wrong, but they often involve big startup costs. By hosting your space, you're monetizing what you already have access to. It doesn't get easier than that. And if you're new to the side hustle game and you're anxious about getting started, don't worry because you're not in this alone. Airbnb makes it super easy to host. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth a lot more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. I'm Nicole Lappin, the only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. It's time for some money rehab. Yesterday, you heard from one of my favorite comedians ever, my pal, Josh Johnson. In that conversation, Josh talked about everything you ever wanted to know about the business of comedy. Well, today I'm going to expand on that conversation with Ryan Khalil. Ryan used to be a football player. He primarily played with the Carolina Panthers and was a three-time All-Pro. Now, Ryan is in the production world. Ryan founded the production company Mortal Media with basketball player Blake Griffin. He explains the players in the media world now and how you can get your big idea to the silver screen as well. Ryan Khalil, welcome to Money Rehab. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to talk to you for many reasons, but the first one is that I think production companies kind of play a role of a black box in this crazy entertainment world. Recently, a little clip of this wonderful podcast was licensed for the Netflix doc on Johnny Depp, and people were like, so cool, you got a check from Netflix. But I didn't. I got a check from the production company. So I would love to break this down for folks and use Mortal Media, the production company started with Blake Griffin, as an example, if you don't mind. So can you give us a kind of description of what the production company does? Well, there's no one size fits all, and they're all sort of different. It depends on who's running them. Typically, the production company is the contractor for the whole process, or the GMs, if you will, in really finding ideas, facilitating ideas helping creatives, writers, directors, actors, rights holders, books, to comic books, to existing IP, we really help them facilitate the inception of the idea to the execution of the film. And so for a production company like Mortal Media, our job is getting on a really long road trip and hopefully getting to the end of it. I love road trips. So let's take a ride and use White Men Can't Jump for an example. That's a long road trip, but yes, let's use that okay, one. Let's get snacks. This is a film that your company put out this year, quite popular film, so congrats. Where did that idea originate? Where did this journey start? This was originally an idea that Blake was talking with Kenya Barris about. Kenya was hot off of Blackish, and he was having conversations with 20th Century, which was 20th Century Fox at the time, 
about projects that he would be interested in. And so Blake and our head of production, Noah Weinstein, had a conversation with him about titles that might be interesting, obviously being current and former athletes. That was one that was near and dear to our hearts. And we really sat down and had long discussions about, okay, well, what kind of story could we tell that would justify us touching a classic? So I guess for mere mortals, pun intended, who can't just call up 20th, how then do you figure out the order of operations with making a movie? Like, how do you find a home first? Or do you just start making it if you can? I think there's a full spectrum of ways these things get made. You know, you have ideas from creatives who have never worked in the business before. And there's so many mediums now that are available to first-time filmmakers to be able to put stuff out, whether it's social media or YouTube. And so you have these things and these ideas that become viral. Maybe they're short films, maybe they're short stories, maybe they're comic books. So having some kind of asset, some kind of IP is really important. And I think for the studios, obviously, the more popular it is, the more enticing it is, and the more likely that a studio might jump on. And then potentially the best case scenario, you get a bidding war on it. So for years, people have said, I have a book in me. Like I've heard this from everybody and their mama. Now I feel like that phrase is being replaced with, I have a Netflix show in me, right? So if you don't have an agent or I suppose a matchmaker for these first dates around town at the different streamers, what's the process of getting a meeting with some of the streaming services like? The one thing that I've really noticed that I've tried to incorporate in everything I've done is resilience. And so it's not unique to the entertainment business, but rejection is frequent. And so having the resiliency to keep knocking on the door, having the resiliency to keep pushing. And the athlete of it allowed us access in the sense of we had some early relationships just by default of sports with the talent agencies to allow those first initial meetings. And so it opened up a lot of doors that not playing sports wouldn't have been able to open for us. And, you know, we've really taken all the values and lessons we've learned from sports and attribute it to all the things we know we know that have helped us succeed in that career, attributing it to this. So resiliency, hard work, having the ability to humble yourself in areas that you aren't as familiar with or aren't as knowledgeable in, being okay with failing and continue to go back to the well and continue to get back up and keep going. And then, like I said, just rejection time and time again and trusting in yourself and just sort of having faith that your ideas are good and eventually they'll pour through. No, but I think it's a really important point that you make that sometimes fame, and this could be high class problems, but sometimes fame in one vertical doesn't translate over to another or another industry. Like just because you had fame and success in sports, it doesn't mean that everybody in Hollywood like watches those sports or knows who you are. I've seen this happen time and again, where like athletes or actors have wanted meetings in business. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, can you just call up and get this meeting? Like, don't they know who you are? Haven't they seen you on TV or something? They're like, actually, no. Like, can you help with that? And What I saw was a bunch of business executives like wouldn't watch daytime TV. So the people that I thought were famous and could like open any door, they wouldn't take their call unless there was somebody doing that introduction. So 
again, I'm sure somebody listening is like, yeah, wow, wow, Ryan, like you could have opened a lot of doors and I would have loved to have that fame. But it's important to realize that it doesn't always translate. So you were kind of starting, you know, where most folks would if they were just starting in a new industry. Yeah, but I would argue to your point and to those saying, wow, wow, Ryan, we did open up a lot of doors. I think having success in another field does allow you that sort of access. The point I was making is just opening the doors doesn't really do anything. I mean, you can get a lot of meetings and they'll give you a water bottle on your way out. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to start making films or television shows. So, you know, Blake and I really tried to spend a lot of time talking with a lot of folks before we ever threw up a production banner. I also think to your point, a lot of people who have success and they want to get into a different field, some of it is for vanity's sake. And Blake and I have always had a real passion for storytelling. So I think first and foremost is whatever pursuit you have in your heart, it's got to be real and sincere because it's just too hard not to. And to the point of opening doors, Blake and I can open a lot of doors early on, but it's so hard to succeed in this field or any field with people who have already been in it and who have already had success and trying to replicate that success with those people is already hard enough. So a couple of newcomers coming in, there's also a level of, you know, well, what can you do for me to maintain my status quo or what can you do for me to exceed my status quo? And that's hard because when you're coming in from the sports world and you're saying, yeah, but I got all these really great ideas. It's like, okay, great. Here's a water bottle. Yeah, here's a water bottle. A lot of people have really great ideas and a lot of successful people have really great ideas who are struggling or they're not consistent. What is the pitch like before the water bottle is offered? What does that even look like? Depending on who you are, the pitch is here's the story, here's an outline, and you really walk through it verbally. And Blake and I thought, well, we're not going to win anybody over in any rooms doing that. And so we felt like we can use some of our resources to try to put together a proof of concept that shows what the thing is tonally, what the thing is from an aesthetic standpoint. And so there's all these different aspects of whatever it is you're trying to pitch that you have to try to convey in a very short meeting. And so the quickest, easiest way is to really make a very small sample of it. Of course, White Men Can't Jump ended up on Hulu. Congrats. And because this is money rehab, I have to ask about the money trail. So who decides the budget, the production company or the streaming service? So typically what happens is is you have a script and then you have a line producer. And the line producer, they go through each line of the script and they try to figure out, okay, how many costumes are there? How many settings are there? How many actors are there? Principal and extras. And then all the costs associated with different locations and how many costumes. The more aspects to the script, obviously, the bigger the budget. Some of these line producers we've been around, they can really break the thing down and look at it in a way that it's almost like looking at the matrix. I'm just like so amazed with how they're able to look at a script and get pretty close without doing the really tedious line items. Hold on to your wallets. Money Rehab will be right back. 
Money rehabbers, you have money hidden in your house. Yeah, just hiding there in plain sight. Okay, so I don't mean you have gold bars hidden somewhere in walls, treasure map style, but you do have a money-making opportunity that you're just leaving on the table if you're not hosting on Airbnb. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. By hosting your space, you are monetizing what you already own. It doesn't get easier than that. For me, hosting on Airbnb has always been a no-brainer. When I first signed up, I remember thinking to myself, self, you pay a lot of money for your house. It is time that house returned the favor. And to get real with you for a sec, I felt so much guilt before treating myself on vacation because traveling can be so expensive. But since hosting on Airbnb, I feel zero stress for treating myself to a much needed vacation because having Airbnb guests stay at my house when I'm traveling helps offset the cost of my travel. So it's such a win-win. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you ever get FOMO, fear of missing out? Well, do you ever get FOMO Tupita, fear of missing out on the perfect hire? If so, I have the antidote. It's LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites, and that adds up to a serious squad of awesome candidates. LinkedIn has over a billion professionals on the platform, and these candidates are super qualified. So much so that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. I work with LinkedIn Jobs for all of my dream team needs, so they're hooking up money rehabbers at linkedin.com slash MNN. Go there and you can post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash MNN, as in Money News Network, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now for some more money rehab. It's no surprise that Football players, basketball players, all players need money rehab. I've talked to a bunch of pro athletes on the show who spend all of what they make. And at the end of their career, you know, they're not balling out in retirement. Do you think more pro athletes should be making a plan while they are at the top of their game and do what you've done and line up something else when they're retiring from sports? I do, but I also think there's a balance to it because... The leagues, at least for the NFL, in my experience, have done a really great job over the years in creating more and more resources for the athletes to find different fields that they are attracted to that potentially they could have a second career in. I was very fortunate, lucky to play a long time, but I always felt like any time could be my time because especially in football, it's such a high risk in terms of injuries and career ending injuries that your ability to come back and play and play a long time is much more limited compared to the other leagues. And so the NFL has done a really great job in providing resources for players to start finding those avenues that they potentially could parlay into after their playing careers. The problem is, I think there's such a scared straight tactic on players that your time is so short, you got to start figuring this out right now that guys get really nervous and they start putting too much energy into that and not into the sport. And I would argue that your ability to get into a professional league at whatever level you get in at, whether you're drafted or undrafted, whether you're a practice squad player or you're a star, is such a rare opportunity that most of your energy and focus should be on getting better for that sport or putting all your eggs in that basket. Because it's just, you'll never ever get to do it again. 
not everybody gets to play as long as Tom Brady's played or Peyton Manning or any of these stars. And more times than not, I think the average career is like three or four years. And so I think there's a balance to it. But to your point, I do think you should dip your toes into it in your free time. And everything, even in the sports world, is sort of, you know, what can I do to get better? What can I do to grow? What can I do to learn? And so it just depends on how you want to set your priorities. And so for a lot of guys, and this is something I did, I put all my focus and energy into football. And then when the offseason came, I figured out, well, what's my percentage of maintaining my body? What's my percentage of continuing to get stronger? Also, what's my percentage of my own sort of like spiritual recovery? Because it is such a grueling and demanding job. So you'd figure out all those percentages and then whatever's left, you got to decide, am I going to spend this time wasting it or am I going to spend it trying to figure out what potentially that next phase is? And so for me, every off season, I would train early in the morning. I would do all my football training from like six to eight. And then I would get in a car and I'd put on a button up and I'd go intern at a different studio or production company because it's something I was really passionate about and really wanted to do. And I didn't know how long football would last. And I knew that it was going to be relationship dependent. And I had to really try to understand what I didn't know. And so I did that the first year. And then I came back. I had an okay season. I did that the second year. I came back. I had a much better season. And I just kept doing it. And I stayed in that routine. And it's tough because not everybody knows what they want to do once they're done playing. And so I've really tried to pay that forward and give that advice to find something that you're interested in, and then just go see, like really figure out what your currency is that you have away from the sport and use that to better yourself or to at least use that time to surround yourself with different experiences or successful people that potentially might lead you down a path that you're excited about. I'm so curious, what percentage was left for your side hustle? My sacrifice was... I wasn't spending it going to the beach. I wasn't spending it taking a lot of vacation time. And so for me, it was, okay, as soon as the season's over, I'm going to take a break from everything and really reset. And so it would usually be about a week or two after the season. And then I'd land in Southern California and then I'd start to get back into a routine. So you spent like 20% of your time on it, maybe? No, I spent a lot. It got smaller as I started having kids. For obvious reasons. But early on, those early few years in the league, when I didn't, it was the wife and I on vacation for a week or two. And then, I don't know, Southern California is kind of like a vacation as well. So that's true. So, Ryan, to close, I ask all of my guests for one piece of money advice. Listeners can take straight to the bank. It could be anything a tip for saving, investing, negotiating, side hustling, quelling your anxiety around money, anything in any kind of negotiation, not to be so quick to go with the path of least resistance and not to be so deterred and intimidated by those that do it for a living. And asking questions is a great way to start in negotiating. And that's something that took me a long time to get comfortable with. Well, I have a pitch for you. How about a movie about a money lady helping a bunch of athletes figure out their money stuff? <laughs> I smell Oscar! <laughs> money Rehab is a production of Money News Network. I'm your host, Nicole Lappin. Money Rehab's executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. 
Our researcher is Emily Holmes. Do you need some money rehab? And let's be honest, we all do. So email us your money questions, moneyrehab at moneynewsnetwork.com to potentially have your questions answered on the show or even have a one-on-one intervention with me. And follow us on Instagram at moneynews and TikTok at moneynewsnetwork for exclusive video content. And lastly, thank you. No, seriously, thank you. Thank you for listening and for investing in yourself, which is the most important investment you can make.